Learn the most advanced recruiting techniques. Land the most desirable talent. Launch your company towards massive success. This is the Higher Power Radio Show with Rick Gerard. We can all agree that running a remote business has become very challenging from a cultural and a productivity perspective. If anything in the past year has taught us, it is that paying attention to the needs of our people is really hard, especially when they are remote. So how do we progress through this challenge and continue to grow? Take on a social mission. There's the answer. So we have all heard the term giver's gain. When your culture merges with cause, it propagates purpose. And a shared purpose attracts value-aligned people and elevates company performance. I'm Rick Gerard, and welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show. We help entrepreneurs and executives win the strongest hires. We do so by sharing insights from top-performing rebel entrepreneurs, game changers, and industry experts like our guest today, Mr. Brian Rowland. Brian is a social entrepreneur and founder of Abenity, which is a six-time Inc. 5000 company powering corporate perks for top brands like U.S. Bank and MasterCard. Abenity recently exceeded $1 million in giving. Think about that, guys. $1 million in giving. Brian lives in Scottsdale, Arizona with his family and enjoys roasting coffee, flying drones. It's funny, I like shooting down drones, but we'll talk about that later. And helping impact-driven entrepreneurs establish a social mission of their own. He has built a fully remote, purpose-driven organization that is absolutely crushing it, which is what makes Brian the perfect expert for today's topic. Brian, welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show today. Hey, Rick. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to have you. Nice (laughs) intro. Hopefully, uh, you're not mad at me if I shoot down drones, right? Like, you're cool with that? (laughs) I've been in several places in the sticks where I'm just roaming, and I'm just aware of that backwoods guy that's got his shotgun pointed right at me. So Nice. I've been warned. All right, cool. Well, we're going to talk about why cause brings purpose to your company. And then we're going to talk about how to build a social mission for your organization. Sound like a plan? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Awesome. I have found that with startups that I work with, and even with me building my own company, you get so into the, like, I have to get these things done in in the weeds that even when it comes to hiring or anything that a company does, a lot of times we just totally ignore the fact that what we have to do is set up some structure or get things in place first so that we can attract the right people. So from a cause perspective, why is it that you feel like companies don't do that? And what would be the benefit that they did? Absolutely. Well, I've kind of learned to say, as I know a lot of entrepreneurs, every entrepreneur I know is a really generous person. They really care about what they're pursuing. They generally have some kind of cause. It may not be a social cause. It may be a professional cause. They really do care. And in their generosity, they're planning to give. But what they're missing is a plan for giving. And when they don't have a plan, they don't have a vision to communicate. And without a vision to communicate, they don't have a mission to communicate. And without a mission, they aren't leading and they're not able to be a leader for the impact that they really desire. And so as a result, without a plan, good intentions is not enough. And they're just leaving a ton of impact on the table. And so what I've realized that we did and what we started 13 years ago is we made an impact plan. And from day one, we had an impact plan. And because of that plan, we were consistent. And 
As a result, we just crossed over the $1 million in direct giving threshold, which it took a long time. It took a decade to get there, but it was extremely intentional and purpose-driven. And then there's a ton of unexpected perks that came for our business as a result of that plan that I didn't even think would happen naturally as we went. That's been really exciting. This, this is a really great point. It seems to me, though, that you have all these great intentions in place. We really want to give, right? But it's not part of the day-to-day -day language. It's not part of, hey, the reason why we're doing things. It tends to be kind of swept under the rug as later on, we'll hit that. How were you able to actually keep your eye on that ball and make sure that everybody knew it? Yeah. Well, absolutely. In the beginning for me, you know, it all started just for my own personal pursuit of meaningful work. I was doing really well in my job before I started Abenity. And as a result of that success, it was financial success. I wasn't the boss. I was just somebody's outside sales rep and I didn't have a lot of control. And the why am I working so hard was really difficult to identify in a meaningful way. So when my brother and I started Abenity, I said, hey, look, I don't want the day-to-day -day troubles that are guaranteed to happen to be attached to our mission because when I'm down, I don't want my enthusiasm for my mission to get pulled down too. So I set our cause and our mission outside of our brand, outside of our services, outside of our product for my own personal drive and health. And we called it a social mission. This is in 2006 before Blake Makovsky had even done his Tom Shoes thing. He was the same year he was wandering around South America discovering the same kind of model. And so for me, we said, let's create an output to a cause for every input into the business. Let's define it so we know what it is. Uh, let's hold each other accountable to it so we do it. And let's just go from there. And so we started taking those baby steps. What I didn't realize was that the meaningful work that I was so excited about would get adopted by my team members and how that would create an aligned culture at our company around this cause and how that momentum would grow all the way to building a community around a cause that includes our customers that got really excited that we were doing more than just our services, which ultimately led to a competitive advantage for our product because people looking for our service really liked that we were about more than just ourselves. And people want to do business with people they like and brands they trust. And it built a lot of brand trust for us. And that's all results of consistency and accountability. And so ultimately last year, once we crossed the million dollar threshold, we went ahead and published our impact report. And it shows how where every dollar we've spent over the last 11 years has gone towards the fight against extreme poverty. Um, it's just been a really cool journey. Yeah, I bet. I bet. And you know what? So I would imagine this goes back to your core values. What I would imagine your first core value is giving. You have a purpose, you have cause that you're giving to, and yet you probably look for that in the people that you bring on board. And it probably surfaces in the interview that, hey, look at this is something that's important to me. We see that you give and I'm a giver and boom, you know, I resonate with this and that's why I want to be part of this. Absolutely. By us being transparent with our cause and transparent with our mission, we attract like-minded people. Those people are very excited to be a part of the journey with us. And essentially, there's a lot of momentum that's built up when we join our enthusiasm with each other as we go. As they should be. So why is this important for our peers, for other entrepreneurs? Why should they put this into their organization in day one? 
Yeah, so I think that's a question that's different for every entrepreneur, but I think there's one way to look at it that is relevant to everyone. Building a healthy culture with a fully remote team is a very difficult thing to do. You've got decentralized people. You're most likely not in the same city. You're most likely not in the same time zone. You could be very geographically diverse. And so there could be a lot of reasons that you're disconnected ultimately. And so creating a connected team when they're fully remote is a challenge. And so we found that our social mission is the glue that holds our remote team together. It gets us all fighting for the same thing. It gets us working together and communicating well. It gets us celebrating the same things. We've gone as far as to set our KPIs around cause-based outputs instead of internal revenue numbers and performance-driven. The cause output is based on the revenue, but we really focus on that output to our social mission. And so I think that as all of us were forced into some form of remote work last year, we're, we're having to decide, okay, we all had to do remote work last year in 2020. A lot of those folks are still doing remote work in some capacity. And as the fog is clearing, they're trying to decide how do we move forward? We know that we can make remote work be efficient and effective for our, our company. It could be very cost effective, could have a lot of benefits. But how do we know it's a healthy move for us long term? My concern is they currently have a false positive when they're considering, is this a healthy move for our company? Because they're like, you know, it really worked in 2020. We all were really tightly connected and we rallied together. And it was something that we never thought could work. Everybody figured it out. And I think what everybody needs to realize is one reason it worked is because your team in 2020 had a social mission. They were fighting against an invisible enemy that no one could see, that everyone was put off by, and everyone came together in pursuit of that cause. And as 2021 and 2022 help us get into normalcy again, you have to be very <laughs> aware that that cause that brought you together originally is gone and that you had really a false positive for remote work. And that cause was a little bridge from your corporate office to their remote work island. And that bridge is receding. And so you're going to have your people on remote islands where they are disconnected, where they are losing their ownership thinking, uh, and where communication and structure and stuff like that's going to be very important to keep them going. And so as you move forward, coming up with a plan for how to connect your remote team is going to be necessary. And it needs to not be based on what worked in 2020, because very different foundation that you're building off of. And so creating an impact plan for your business is a great way to rally your team back together around a cause, picking something everybody cares about, everybody can get excited about and deciding how to fund that cause and just going through that process. But from an evidence perspective, so what has your result been on the people that you've hired? What's been your attrition rate? What's your stick rate with hires? How long do they stick around? That sort of thing. I think that's good evidence yeah. to, to support it. So we're a team of 30 plus people. And many of us have been around since the early days, since the beginning. We typically are not we can go multiple years without replacing someone. Hiring is not a challenge for us due to losing people. 
usually it's about finding the right person to fit into our culture. And so we have a lot of evidence to support that when you attract the right kinds of people, they stick with you for a long time. Ooh, say that again. When you attract the right kinds of people, they stick with you for a really long time. And so it's a culture fit. And one thing I like to say is when you're looking for somebody, you're looking for can do, will do, and team fit. And really what we're talking about is team fit. Will do is are they motivated? And the social mission really helps them be motivated. Can do is really a competency question. And that's really different based on the kind of field that you're hiring for. And so hopefully you're only talking to people with the right level of competency. Will do is really hard to measure until they're doing it. And team fit is tricky as well. And so having this cause and this public transparent kind of social mission really helps you get through those weeds because people self-identify for the will do and they self-identify for the team fit. And so they're aligning themselves with your team in a way that helps you get that higher right the first time. You're listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. I'm Rick Gerard, your host. And for our podcast listeners, we're going to take a quick educational moment from our sponsors. Hey, check out stridesearch.com. There you'll find a link to Healing Career Wounds, which is our new book, May It Be the springboard to help your company land and attract the strongest hires. Our guest today is Brian Rowland. Brian is the founder and chairman of Embenity, and we're talking about building an impact model around social cause. So I know you queued in on this earlier, but let's solve this problem for our audience, uh, maybe some entrepreneurs that are struggling with this. Where do we start? How do we build out a cause-based, I don't know if it's a program or what it would be considered, but something that they can gel with building out that culture. I wrote an article called Five Steps to a Million Dollar Impact. And it took us a long time to cross the million dollar giving threshold. And it took consistency and it took a strong commitment to a plan that we put into place. How long did it take you guys? We really started this plan in 2009 and we crossed the threshold really late 2019, early 2020. Okay. So it was 10 years to a million dollar giving. So it was a consistent ramping up low six figures the first couple of years, and then a couple six figures the next few years, and then it just continues to grow. And so it's just a testimony to the fact that consistent incremental steps can make a huge impact long-term. It's one of those things that in the moment it feels small, But then when you look back, you're like, wow, look at all that was accomplished in this short amount of time because of the discipline we put. It's not small at all, though. The fact that you were able to just keep chipping it away at it. Good for you, because most people would give up. But like you said, every little bit helps. You built an impact plan, right? Like that's your model for this. Walk me through the steps in which somebody can build an impact plan and then let's break them down for them. There's kind of five steps that everybody needs to think about when they're deciding how do we build a model around making an impact that one engages our team and brings them. And then you decide who else do you want to engage? Do you want to engage your suppliers, your industry, your customers, your community? Like who are you making an impact and sharing your impact with? And so step one is really just define your giving model. This can be a number of different things. Step two is create a social mission statement. So Put words to what you want to do. Step three is to share your impact story. That's essentially sharing your social mission. Who are you going to share it with? Is it just going to be something for your board and your investors to know you're doing behind the scenes? Is it something you're going to rally your employees around and get excited about? 
Is it something you're going to spread even more far and wide? We open our social mission is for everybody to know and discover and join in and help us fight in that cause. By the way, there's really no point in hiding it. The more you hide it, the more impact you're leaving on the table as well. Now, some people think it's risky, but you know we aligned ourselves a decade ago in the fight against extreme poverty. Uh, it's the United Nations number one sustainability goal. There are still 500 million people on the planet who are spending half their day traveling for clean water that is dirty from our standards. And that water is still making them kind of sick. And those 500 million people are, instead of going to school and working on their career, they're just getting water. And many of them are choosing which of their children they're going to get to feed today. It's, yeah, they're in that is the picture mode. of extreme poverty. It's not like the poverty we experience here in the U.S., which is also important to address. But extreme poverty is something that the United Nations will have eradicated by 2030. So we're closing in on that. So you pick something and you commit to it. And, and, and that's, that that's a big, important step. Next, step four, accountability. So who are you going to share it with that holds you accountable? So for us, my brother and I are equal business partners. And so... He's obviously an accountability partner and we're both committed to it. Our whole team is always anxious to learn what are we able to do. And our CPA all the way down knows not to report any numbers to us from a distribution standpoint that doesn't reflect the giving before it shows us what our net take home is. And so we just keep that separate from the get go. And then five is, are there any blockers that's preventing you from getting started right away? And there shouldn't be, especially if you're building out a new company. The only blocker well, is really good. you, yeah, right? If, if you're in startup mode, absolutely. But if you have investors, your investors are going to be committed to plans you already had. So you might have to go to your investors and say, hey, I want to rally everyone around this new social mission. And your investors might say, okay, well, once we hit X dollars of profitability, then we can start giving from that profitability to the social mission. That's probably um, why it's really might. important to bake that in before you take investment money, right? Yeah. Well, that's a whole nother conversation, yeah. bootstrapping versus outside capital. And yeah. we've chosen the bootstrapping route, but that's not always an option. Yeah. And you might have a commitment. You're like, ah, you know, we need to hire these people before we can start giving away money. And, and that's okay to say, these are goals we need to accomplish before we can execute our giving plan. That's just a part of it. Just communicate that to your team as you're doing it. So everybody's on the same page and that allows you to get started right away. All right, cool. Let's go back to the giving model, which is the first plan, defining your giving model. What criteria do you use to find your giving model? It's very individualized. So sure. you've got everything from the Tom shoes that we all know, which is kind of buy a pair, give a pair. They're doing it a little differently now. They've shifted to a percentage of profit, which is the way we do it. You can base it on any numbers that make sense. I know a guy, he's a residential painter, a big one out here in the Valley, and they're commitment is for every X number of houses they paint, they will paint one for free. So there's, is kind of like a service trade trade-off. And some people are saying, Hey, we're not going to give financially because it doesn't work, but we're going to send X volunteer hours down to the local rescue mission. So when we accomplish X as a company, or not even when we accomplish X, we're just going to let our employees take Friday afternoons off to go do service when you do that, make sure you pick something that they're doing that you don't just go let them do whatever they want because there's no story that's really compelling there to build an impact plan around. So pick a cause in town that your employees are excited about. 
and say every Friday, you know, we donate X hours of company time towards the serving the local rescue mission or, or whatever it is. So your giving model can really be anything that works for you. And one of the things that we talked about prior when we always do our prep call and you brought up, which was really interesting, the benefit of having a remote workforce, you don't have any office space that you have to pay for or very little office space, right? You don't have a huge overhead looming. Where's the benefit there? You can actually pull from what you would be paying in rent. Absolutely. So I, I think the opportunity right now for people that are going to say, hey, let's stick with the remote thing is you have a bunch of fixed expenses that you've had to deal with in the past that are now being freed up. It's a perfect opportunity to select a percentage of those savings or a fixed number of that savings and say, we're going to give this much from our savings towards this new impact plan. It's a perfect way to get started. It's a way that doesn't hit your bottom line right away because of the savings. And it's a fantastic starting place. I think it's a kind of soft toss for starting an impact plan. Yeah. And I would imagine you probably won't get that much resistance from investors if you're saying, hey, we're taking part of the profits from like what we pay in rent. And, and the get. investors are going to be very aware of the cultural risk of trying a new model. The hardest part of any kind of M&A deal is the integration of the two of the new company. And so that's a cultural problem. And really, when you're switching from and in office work to remote work with new variables, you're doing the same thing. You're changing up the environment and the infrastructure and it's a, a culture war. Social mission statement, I'm interested in this. How do you build it? Pick your cause. From there, it's a matter of communicating it. This can be your own words, our social mission. So Abenity runs corporate perks for companies. And so we say, hey, perks are about people. And the reason you want perks for your company it's because you want to reward your employees for being a part of it. You want to give them an incentive. So perks are about people. And that's why we sponsor children living in extreme poverty with the programs we deliver. With this commitment, we're communicating a powerful message that whether you're an employee at a Fortune 500 company or an orphan in the developing world, we want you to know that you're valuable, what you do matters, and you can make a difference. This social mission statement has not changed since day one for us. All you need to do is start with a simple belief statement. Our belief statement is perks are about people. From there, you take the, the words, and that's why we, and then you define what you're doing in your impact plan. And with this commitment, we're communicating a powerful message. And then that's kind of how you underscore why it's important that you're doing this. That's a really great mission format that everybody can use. I think we'll have that in the show notes. Yep. It's on brianroland.com and my five steps to maximize your business impact article. It's a good starting place for drafting a mission statement. We're getting pretty close on time. What would be two or three key takeaways you can give the audience? They can plug into their business today, Brian. Absolutely. So key takeaways with anything in business, the one thing that... I see people fail as a result of all the time is they don't show up. Yep. So just show up, take or, action. Or start for that matter. Yeah, just get started. And so a way to just get started is take this impact plan. It's a blank page PDF with these five steps that you just fill in the blanks for your company and just play around with what it looks like for you to create an impact plan. You don't need to tell anybody about it yet. Just play around with it. What do you care about? Start socializing. If we wanted to do something 
what would it be? And if you text the word impact to this number, you'll just get an auto response with a form and then it sends you the PDF right away. It's the quickest way to get it. So text impact to area code 615-802-6853. Text the word impact there and you'll get a PDF back right away where you can just start filling in the blanks for yourself. So you've made it super easy for people. So guys, now you have no excuse. <laughs> Brian, thanks so much for your time investment today, man. And I want to welcome you to the Higher Power Radio community. Now, what would be the best way in which people can find you? You gave some of that information, but how do they connect up with you? Yep. Well, I'm all over LinkedIn. BrianRoland.com is probably where you're going to find the most interesting information as I've been debriefing a lot of these topics about remote work and giving plans and social entrepreneurship. B-R-I-A-N-R-O-L-A-N-D. If you go to Abenity.com, if you're looking for a perks program for your company, we've got a small business plan for 150 a month, and you can use the code HIGHERPOWER150 to save $150 off your first month's service as a result of the show. So check that out. Abenity is A-B-E-N-I-T-Y.com. HIGHERPOWER150 is the code to use. Nice. I love it. Well, with that, we are about out of time. I want to thank our listening audience for tuning into this week's episode of Higher Power. Quick thanks to our team, Brian Colburn, Andrea Ballin, and Ayla Gerard. If you're listening to the podcast, please subscribe, review, and share. Send me an email, do whatever you want to do, but please continue to send us feedback. We love it. After all, this show's for you. Join the Higher Power Radio community at Higher. That's H-I-R-E, Power, P-O-W-E-R, Radio, R-A-D-I-O.com. Or you can drop me an email at rickatstridesearch.com. Tune in next Tuesday. Our guest is going to be Sam Couchy. He is the founder and CEO of One Huddle. I'm your host, Rick Gerard, and you have been listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. Aloha. Thank you for listening to Higher Power Radio. Catch our LinkedIn Live show every Tuesday at noon or download the podcast on iHeartRadio, iTunes, YouTube, or your favorite podcast platform. We appreciate you joining us on Higher Power Radio with your guide to recruitment success. Rick Turner.